I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Liam, we are in that crucial time, people scrambling to make playoffs, people uh Arguments about rebuilds and tearing it up and, and all sorts of things going on at the moment. How uh, how was your week? How are you doing? Uh, my week's not been too bad, thanks, Rich. Yeah, it's right before the playoffs in most leagues, and that probably means your deadline, your trade deadline, has either passed or is going to pass. Probably I feel like you're trying to next week. I feel but, like you're trying to te- trigger me just by mentioning a trade deadline. Why do you think I mentioned it? It's the only reason, Rich. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I've been making a couple of trades here and there in leagues that I'm pushing in um, mostly. Um, but yeah, it, it was a pretty good week for me overall, which I don't think I've said too much this year. No, no that's, that sounds, <laughs> sounds like a first, but uh, no, that's, good. that's good to hear. It was, yeah, it was a tough, tough week for me. I didn't do, I did all right. It, I, I was above 50% in my dynasty leagues. Um, I won in Scott Fishbowl, one of my home leagues. So those, those are the main ones. Um, but yeah, a lot of my like charity leagues and redraft the leagues and yeah, the five yard rush leagues I'm doing terribly <laughs> at the moment. So uh, it's, a, it's a good job I, uh, I talk about dynasty football. Um, 
But before we dive into the show, keen to remind you that support for the Five Yard Dynasty podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are best, the best in men's below the waist grooming. Uh, we have an exclusive offer for you with 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use the code Five Yard. Obviously, very important time of year. Lots of presents being lined up. Have a little word with the missus. Uh, it's a present for you. It's a present for her. Um, and you can still get 25, 20% off. Um, also, I heard this earlier, but it's the new skin safe technology on Manscaped means no cuts on your nuts. Uh, <laughs> enough, enough about me talking about Manscaped, Liam. Oh, Cocktail of the week. that's one way to transition rich that's one way (laughs) so um this week i've got a barbados sunrise rich it's not pink for once it has a little bit of grenadine at the bottom if you can see that yeah so this this is going to sound really naive and perhaps you know it's been a few years since i was drinking cocktails and i'm showing my naivety but surely the the bit at the bottom you need to mix that in Otherwise, when you get to the bottom of a drink, you're just going to end up with grenadine and nothing else. No, you don't need to mix it in. I prefer not to anyway. So you, are you I, one of those I, people? I tend that... to leave the little, the very last bit. But it normally mostly comes up while you're drinking it anyway. But yeah, Do you if you wanted people? to make it, it was orange juice, rum, grenadine and Cointreau. So it's not a hard drink to make. It's just whack it up or whack the three ingredients apart from the grenadine into a shaker, shake it up a little bit, and then the grenadine afterwards. Or if you like, Rich, you can stir it all as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel, I feel like that's the way forward. You're you're going to tell me you're one of these people, Liam, that eats their dinner one one item of food at a time. You know, mm-hmm. eats, eats their roast potatoes, yeah. then eats their meat, then eats their vegetables or whatever. Yeah, and I have a specific way to eat my um, my Sunday dinner as well. Um, please tell me uh, you, you save the best till last that's got to be the one yes yeah, yeah. I, I do save the best till last but um i have a running joke with a couple of work friends um and my girlfriend that i eat the chips first hang on hang on we're talking about roast dinner no not not roast dinners i mean oh. in general whenever i eat anything else i'll eat the chips first and then i'll eat everything else you, you you almost panicked me there, Liam. I thought you were going to tell me you had chips on your roast dinner. No. I was going I was going to no. have a heart attack and say you can't call it a roast if it's not got roast potatoes. So, no, you've <sighs> got to have all the usual veg. You've got to have Yorkshire puddings. Um, I normally have chicken, but come on, beef, lamb, pork, anything you want. Yeah, you, you've not mentioned the number one meat there for a meat. roast. So I'm disappointed. If you're going to say gammon, I'm going to disappoint oh. you again because I'm oh, not a fan ga- of gammon. Oh, gammon, you're not, you're not doing it right. Trust how, me. How can you like gammon? You don't like things that are pink. So <laughs> there's two two completely polar opposites there. Rich. The way the way my mum cooks gammon, it's a it's a golden brown crackling and less less pink. I will say, if it's got a little bit of a honey glaze on it, I can get through it. And, and enjoy myself, but if it's just straight gammon, I get back. I feel like we've we've had a lot of disagreements over our time uh, doing mostly doing around pink together. things as well. But it's but, yeah. generally around drinks and food. So maybe we will leave the the food and drink content and dive into uh, dive into the high scorers. So do you want to run us through who uh, who helped our teams this week? Yeah. So as usual, four point touchdowns for quarterbacks, and then PPR for every position. And that includes tight ends. So 
quarterbacks, Rich, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, even though he lost, that was a heartbreaker for me. And then Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts specifically really hurts me because I started Dak Prescott over him this week in one of my leagues. <laughs> I won by, I think it was 0. 0.2 points. Um, and yeah, Dak Prescott scored me negative points in that league. Good good process. You just got to live off that. Yeah. No, I'll tell, I keep telling myself that, but Jalen Hurts is what a top three quarterback this year. So maybe not a good process. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, it was the highest. Uh, Dallas, uh, Kansas was the highest over under. I'm not sure anyone. I, I yeah. was joking with my mates in my home league that it was going to be over 80 points, and I'd, I was willing to take any bet um, of anyone that the game was going to go over 80 points. And I'm very glad that nobody took me up on it because I looked like a complete <laughs> mug after about half an hour. Um, but I just wanted to touch on Jalen Hurts because it, it, for me, it's been slightly confusing. I, I think he's been having a really good year from a fancy perspective. Um, but everybody's kind of been resistant to buy in. Um, he's been pretty much settled in as my sort of QB 12 to 13 all season in terms of dynasty. But it feels like on Twitter this week and in dynasty community this week, everybody's just suddenly gone, oh, maybe Jalen Hurts is good for fantasy and maybe he might keep a, you know his, his starting job. And I think for me, I've always been a believer this year that he's good enough to start somewhere. And I think that if the Eagles decide to move on, whether they, you know, draft the quarterback with all their picks, whether they enter the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes or what, I believe that whatever happens, Jalen Hurts is going to be a starting quarterback week one next year. And for me, I guess I've probably been a little bit more confident buying into him and his fantasy production, which, yes, you know, he is an elite fantasy quarterback as far as I'm concerned. Um but but perhaps not not an NFL one. Um, I mean, are you comfortable buying in? Do you still think there's some kind of trepidation about his long-term value? So all the way through the season, I've been saying that I don't believe in him long-term. The, the um, Eagles have three first-round picks next year because the conditional second that they sent to in the Indianapolis Colts, or the they got from the Indianapolis Colts for Wentz, um, is dependent on whether Wentz plays 75% of snaps this season, which he's almost done already. He's not that far off. He's, I think he's a couple of weeks away from hitting that milestone. So I don't think that I ever thought that Hertz was going to have more than one season with them having three first-round picks. Um, whether that is drafting a quarterback or is entering the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes or potentially Aaron Rodgers um, when he leaves because I'm under the impression that he's going to leave after this year. But my, cons- or not my concern, but my, I suppose, surprise, delighted surprise was now that they've started to run the ball efficiently with Howard Sc- uh, Boston Scar, he's been passing the ball a lot better from from a tape point of view, from what I've seen. It's amazing he, when you start study, start running the ball, getting people out the box, uh, getting people in the box yeah. and saying, rather than throwing 40 times a game, throw, throw 20 times a game and we'll give you wide open throws and suddenly he looks like he can throw the ball properly. That, that's my point is they weren't worrying about the pass because they weren't, they, they knew that they could stop the run. Whereas when they started to run the ball efficiently, they've started to 
be able to open up that offense completely. I mean, Devonta Smith has been amazing the past couple of weeks, and I traded him away for like uh, him a first and a second for Tyree Kill. And yes, I'm not overly regretting it, but Devonta Smith has still been really good this year. I think with Hurts, that just shows that to every GM in the league that he can go out and do this week in, week out. And coming into the season, I did say I wouldn't be surprised because a lot of his, or I think it was two of his three games, he threw over 300 yards last year to end the season. So I wasn't surprised that he could pass the ball. I just didn't like that offence. And I thought that if that offence stagnated for the entire year, especially under a first-year head coach, we may not have seen much of Hurts going forward because that blame could have been put on Hurts over the first-year head coach and the the poor offence. But I, I do like it. I don't know whether he's going to be the starter in Philadelphia next year. Um, as, as you said, I, I don't know whether I'm as confident with you that he's going to definitely start next year. But I think I'm... I'm willing to stand here and say I guarantee he's going to be a starter next year. I've just I've just had a look. So there's two options, okay? Philadelphia are going to draft the quarterback or Philadelphia are going to trade for a quarterback, okay? I think Philadelphia are out the point at which they're going to draft the quarterback that can start day one unless they trade up, okay? As things stand, they've got the Miami pick, which is scheduled to be the eighth, They've got their own pick, which is scheduled to be the 11th, and the Indianapolis pick that is currently scheduled to be the 16th. Okay, Miami have got a very straightforward schedule uh, the remaining season. I wouldn't be shocked if Miami finished around 500. Okay, so that's going to be a, a pick in the the mid teens. Okay, Philadelphia are on a nice little run. They've got you know they they end the schedule playing all the NFC East teams, which are all pretty rubbish outside Dallas. So. I think that Philadelphia pick's going to end up in the mid-teens. Indianapolis are pushing for the playoffs and they've gotten a nice little run. I wouldn't be shocked if that ended up in the, you know, in the 20s because they're a playoff team. They're not drafting a quarterback in the teens and 20s that's going to come in and start over Joan Hurts because I don't think this is a strong quarterback class and I don't think any of those guys are going to be a day one starter that the, the Eagles would waste a pick and say, this guy's a massive upgrade over Hurts. If they yeah. trade, if they trade for Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, whoever, uh, Jalen Hurts has got to be part of that package. You know, if if the Seahawks are trading Russell Wilson, do you not think they trade him to the Eagles for two firsts plus Jalen yeah. Hurts? So then Jalen Hurts that. is going to be starting on the on the Seahawks next year. Like I just, I, I just don't see a world unless the Eagles fall in love with a rookie QB, trade up to number one or number two and go and get him. I don't know who that quarterback's going to be because I've certainly not been impressed by any of them so far in college this year. I just don't see a world where Jalen Hurts isn't a starting quarterback next year. The the thing that I'd say is the only situation that I can see him or Hurts not being a part of that package would be Aaron Rodgers if they, for whatever reason, traded for him. Because I I have a feeling he's gone after this year in, in whatever capacity, however it happens. But I don't think a team would need to necessarily trade for him. I know I know that the Packers will put him up for trade and they'll be trying to make calls and stuff if they want to get rid of him. But I don't think that they, the Packers would want Jalen Hurts in that package when they've got Jordan Love. 
but I think surely that's just the missing defeat on a, a second year quarterback going into his third year. It's not going to happen. Do we not think Rogers. if that's the situation? Do we not think then that the Eagles spin Jalen Hurts off to the Washington oh. or Carolina for a second? I just don't it's see well. They've, they've got God. They've got Gardner Minshew, who's a solid backup under contract next year. I just don't see a world in which if, if they bring in Rodgers, they keep Rodgers, Hurts and Minshew. So I think they spin off Hurts, who's a decent asset. Yeah. And maybe that gets you a second or or whatever. Yes, I get that, you know, the the, the Packers chose Jordan Love over the Jane Hurts. So it would be shocking if they then traded for Jane Hurts. But I just think for me, I'm confident Jane Hurts is starting somewhere. And I think that, to be honest, he's he's massively undervalued in fantasy at the moment. Anyway, uh, I, I see your got... point, but let's move on. Yeah, let's dive into the running backs. So, Jonathan Taylor had an absolutely massive week, 50 points. Um, that, I think it was what, five touchdowns, absolutely crazy. And then we all thought when that happened, okay, Taylor's going to be the clear running back one. And then Eckler took it as a challenge to go and get the running back two role. I think he scored over 40 points, uh, four touchdowns. Again, crazy week. Uh, and then Christian McCaffrey is back. He was the RB4 last week, RB3 this week. Um, he's not showing signs of that injury. Rich, Christian McCaffrey is back. And Jonathan Taylor, running back dynasty one, a dynasty running back one. Yeah, I think we talked about it last week, didn't we, that Jonathan Taylor's the clear cut. Dynasty RB1. Um, I don't think anybody's arguing with you, I think, particularly at this point. Um, I have to say, I have seen some absolutely crazy prices quoted. Um, I saw him go in a, in a league for, um, it was Jonathan Taylor for Christian McCaffrey, Cordero Patterson and a first, which, I mean, if you're getting Christian McCaffrey plus a first for any player, I think that's a... An interesting trade, shall we say? But I think, look, Jonathan Taylor's price is absolutely sky high. You know my thoughts. I'm always looking to sell whenever a player's, you know, the clear-cut number one at a position. I think I'm always looking to sell running backs. I think if I've got any Jonathan Taylor shares, and I do have a few and I have been asking around, I think now is the time to be just inquiring because whilst, yes, you know, he's hopefully going to carry you to a title this year, um, I just think always be selling running backs. I will put my hands up and apologise for what I said this off-season where I told you to sell Jonathan Taylor while his price was high and probably at its peak at RB3. Um, you can get a lot more from him now than you could have done <laughs> when I sold him. But, um, yeah, he's been absolutely great this season. Moving on to the wide receivers, Justin Jefferson absolutely tore up Eric Stokes last week. Well, the week just gone. Um, that was hard to watch. But then it was very nice to watch Devontae Adams get a wide receiver too um, and be an absolute monster as well. And then your boy, Rich, Elijah Moore is back in the top three. Look at him with his smile on his face already. Yeah, it's it's pleasing to see from all, all perspectives. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's just, just makes me happy as a Jets player, as a guy that, you know, was all over Elijah Moore in the off-season and had him ranked, I think, who's my wide receiver four, um, pre-draft and post-draft. Um, really, really happy with how he's performing. A little bit of a question that he obviously hasn't done it with Zach Wilson. I'm hoping we see Zach Wilson back this week and, and hoping that Elijah Moore continues to produce even when Wilson comes back. 
Um, I also wanted to touch on Justin Jefferson. I think you know this is this is similar to the the Jonathan Taylor, isn't it? I do think that there's a lot of there'll be a lot of debate about the overall wide receiver one. CD Lamb's fallen out of favour because he's had one bad week and got a concussion. Jamar Chase wasn't wasn't incredible this week, and so he's fallen out. So now it's Justin Jefferson. I think look, all three of those are young studs. All three of those are uh, you know the dream of any dynasty. Um, Dynasty team, um, but I do think that I'm less likely to sell a young receiver when they're the consensus wide receiver one. But everything I said about Jonathan Taylor probably stands with Justin Jefferson. I do wonder if you could uh, potentially look at selling for you know an absolute haul. And by that, I'm not saying sell just for the sake of it, but if you could get you know AJ Brown plus a first, maybe Deontay CD. Johnson plus if well, if you can get CD Lamb plus anything for Justin Jefferson. I'm, I'm absolutely doing that. If you can get I, can, I reckon Johnson. you could do that right now after the week Justin Jefferson just had and CD Lamb. He He's not putting up goose eggs, but he's not performing what people expect from a consistent dynasty top three wide receiver if you're rebuilding. I think you could probably get a plus. Probably a, a, maybe a second. I feel like you're being a bit harsh on CD Lamb there. He's the wide receiver 12 overall. I'm, I'm not saying that he's doing badly. I'm just saying recency bias, that's not... A, yeah, that's fair. It, I just, that, that's playing into people's minds. I've got to be careful when you f- you're throwing shade at my guys. So, um, so yeah. I'm anyway. not throwing shade at anyone. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but I think we do, need to put, we do need to put some sort of notice on the front of the... Uh, or at the start of the show that if Rich talks about any person at peak value, um, he will be telling you to sell. <laughs> I've so, been doing this. I've been, I've been banging this drum for three years. Look, I know. Um, I think we just need to make a recording for it. At the start of the part, just... we need to say, Liam hates tight ends. Rich needs you to sell at peak value. I think that's all we need to say at the start of the show, and then we never need to say it again. Yeah, sounds so, good to me. Moving on to tight ends. Zach Ertz at the top of the tight end list this week. Um, had a monster game for the Cardinals. Then you had Travis Kels and Darren Waller back in the top three. Rich, I don't think there's any surprises there, really. Ertz had a great week, but that was a two-touchdown week. Um, uh, looks looks like a, a top three from 2019, doesn't it? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, back, it's back what we know and love at the tight end position. Definitely. The only thing I wanted to touch on across the board for highest scorers was all three top scorers as in across all positions, the top three, were non-quarterback positions this week. That was Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, and Justin Jefferson. I think that's quite impressive, for, for especially if you're in super flex leagues, because they yeah. would encourage you in any any matchup. So moving on to significant news, we have Chris Carson with his neck injury that I don't really know much about. I know that you said that it was an arthritic um condition he looks to be done for the season rich we talked about this five or six weeks ago didn't we when it first happened and we sort of said look it's it's arthritic that scares the crap out of me um it was compared to todd Gurley's knee this is the same thing for chris carson's neck which is terrifying i think look i'm i'm really worried for chris carson i think this is the kind of thing that you wonder he's tried to come back from he's not he's now done I do kind of wonder if that's Chris Carson's career over. Um, you know, I don't want to write anybody off. Fingers crossed he makes it back and he makes me eat my words. But 
if I had any Chris Carson shares, I'm absolutely selling now because uh, I think I'll just take anything I can get for him because I'm fairly convinced that he's he's pretty much done and uh, and the Seattle will be moving on. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame for Chris Carson because he he's been he's not been a top running back, especially for fantasy, but he has been a solid starter. Um, I think it's just a uh, not a nice way to see anyone's season and potentially career end. Um, Seattle can save three and a half million by cutting him at the end of the year as well. So you know it's it's hard to see them paying him six and a half million. I think Seattle could potentially blow it all up and go into full rebuild. And at that point, if you can save three and a half million from a you know an agent running back that's that's not helping you much, that's probably a move you make, isn't it? Yeah, probably. So, AJ Brown has a finger, chest, and hand injury. Yeah, yeah. It was, Which one do you want? So it, was, it felt like every other every other minute I was getting an update saying AJ Brown's left the game to receive attention on this, receive attention on that. It's you know that Titans offense is just getting decimated, isn't it? Um, hopefully, shame. I know we've got a time scale here of zero to four weeks. Hopefully, he's. He's all good and and he's able to carry on. Part of me does wonder with the way the Titans, you know, have been, whether they sort of look at things and say, actually, maybe we just need to get healthy for a couple of weeks, shut AJ Brown down and and try to kind of go again, sort of week 14, 15, have a nice little run into the playoffs and make make some noise in the playoffs. I don't think they'll do that because I think NFL teams are very much, let's win this week, let's win this week. But um that would that would be a thought that I'd certainly have. So moving on, Justin Fields has a rib injury. I believe I saw that it was just bruised and he escaped any major excuse me, any major injury there. So he has anywhere up to a four week time frame. So he could miss this week. Um I believe Andy Dalton has been named a starter for this week on Thursday night. I don't know. Um, who knows who knows with Matt Nagy, you know. <laughs> You've named Justin Fields a starter and then he gets injured and then he comes out and they said, who's your starter if everyone's healthy? And he said, don't know. We've not made that decision yet. It's just clueless. It's a whole clueless situation. Justin Fields is a star. He looks like a star. He's going to be a star. They just need to build around him. Michael Carter, your boy, has a possible high ankle strain. uh, strain. Uh, So that's a two to four week injury, Rich. Uh, I know this one's going to be hurting from a Jets fandom point of view. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we need to to chill with the my boys. I'm not sure I can claim Michael Carter as one of my boys. Um, I suppose that's more Dan. Uh, uh, that's more Matt from the wild yeah. card. The, the fact he plays for the Jets, I'll take that. But yeah, it's, my, I, I was lower than consensus on Michael Carter, so I think I'll uh, I can't I can't claim that he's my boy. That's very honest of you. But this one's definitely your boy. CD Lamb <laughs> concussion out for Thanksgiving. Yeah, brutal. I mean, Jer- Jerry Jones came out today and said that his son CD could still play. So um, yeah, if 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 uh, if anyone has the uh, the science to cure a concussion in four days, maybe it's Jerry Jones. But uh, yeah, I think look, realistically, four day turnaround from a game from a concussion, I think CD arms out, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, and then some good news, Rich. We've got Tim Patrick, who you are, who you were correct on getting a three-year extension, but then not, I think believe it was 24 hours later, maybe 48 hours later, Cortland Sutton followed it up with a four-year deal. Now, yeah, yeah. I know we both thought that 
Um, the Call and Sutton deal was a little bit cheaper than we thought he would have gone for in free agency, but maybe he just wants to be a part of that Broncos team. And maybe there's been some um, discussions had in the background that they might be getting another quarterback next year. That is totally speculation for me, but that's the only way I can ever see Cortland Sutton not going to free agency here. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I felt really good. I had 48 hours of gloating calling the Patrick <laughs> contract and Cortland Sutton's going to go in free agency. He's going to end up anywhere. And and then, yeah, I get made to look like a complete mug, though, now, which let's be honest, we all enjoyed. Um, I'm gobsmacked at this Cortland Sutton deal. I think, you know, it, it, the AAV is is around 15 million a year, I believe. Um, I mean, Kenny Golladay got 18 million a year on the open market. I think Cortland Sutton should be should be commanding around twenty million a year with the cap going up. I'm absolutely gobsmacked that he's basically put himself in the you know the Robbie Anderson, Jarvis Landry range of contracts, um, which is basically like wide receiver two money. Um, so yeah, re- really shocked that he stayed. Really shocked that Denver's tied up more money in the wide receiver room, but even more shocked at, at the price tag. I think it's a fantastic deal for Denver. Um, to get a, a young, you know, prototypical X receiver that, that can go up and, you know, win those contested balls. If you get a quarterback that's perhaps willing to, to throw more contested balls and, and be a bit more ballsy than uh, than Teddy, um, maybe he's the guy that, that can kind of potentially unlock Corton Sutton back to be that fancy stud that we were all buying into two years ago. So, staying on the contract extensions theme, Dallas Goddard got paid rich four years contract. Yeah, it was big money as well. What's fascinating about this contract, I tweeted out about it a couple of days ago, I don't think I've ever seen a contract quite like this. So, Dallas Goddard's basically got a four-year contract, but his contract over the next two years, his cap hits are like three and four million. It's, it's kind of ridiculous. It's similar money. It's four years. I think 57 million is the total number. But his cap hits, I've just got it open in front of me. So his cap hit next year is 3.7 million. His cap hit in 2023 is 6.6. And then his cap hit in 2024 and 2025 is 19.5 million. Um, so he's basically got three and a half years guaranteed, which most NFL contracts are two and a half years. So I think it's really interesting that A, Philly are willing to kick that much money down the road. Um, yes, the cap's going to go, go ballistic with new TV deal and, and gambling rights and things. But it does make me wonder if Philadelphia has got some sort of big ambition for this offseason to basically retain you know, a, a young stud tight end in Dallas Goddard, but basically say, we want to keep as much cap space for this offseason as possible and, and push everything into as I say, 2024 and 2025. I think the big thing on the Goddard contract, I'm looking at it right now as well, is his dead cap is 25.3, near enough 25.4 next year, and about 21 and a half the year after, so 2023. And then it drops to 16 and then 11, where you're actually going to be saving quite a bit of cash there if you do cut him or trade him. So. I think that was the big thing I noticed was you probably looking. I know that you kind of said this already, but 
with those cap hits and the cap going up as well and potentially significantly going up, a uh, 16 mil cap hit is going to be less than 10%. You're probably looking up to around 5 to 10% of cap, which I'm sure the Eagles won't mind if they do want to move on from him after the 2023 season. Yeah, it's just weird though, because most NFL contracts have all that money kind of in the first two, two and a half years. And then after two and a half years, you can move on. You know, if he were, you know, touch wood, this never happens. But if he were to suffer a career ending injury next year, you know, that's that's an awful lot of money to to accelerate on the cap if he did, if he were to retire. So, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Fingers crossed, you know. He continues to be a stud, continues to be successful over the next three plus years. But it's it's uh, an interesting um, way of doing things for Philadelphia. Talking about interesting ways of doing contracts, <laughs> Taysom Hill got a four year deal, but it was a it was a really weird deal. I saw the wording of um, I saw the wording of what was it now? Depending on what position he played. Yeah, so it's a hybrid deal. So the way the way I understand it, it's a four-year, forty million dollar deal. So they're paying him ten million a year for the next four years. I don't know guarantees. I don't know that kind of thing. But if he is then named the starting quarterback, it basically adds an extra fifty-five million onto the deal. So he goes from being paid ten million a year to like what's that 20 25 million a year something like that it's 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 slightly crazy it's very weird i don't get the four year 40 million i don't i can't believe there's another team in the nfl that was competing with them to pay him 10 million a year i just i just can't believe there's a world i can't believe that there was another team willing to pay him 25 million a year to be the starting quarterback it's as i i tweeted out Taysom Hill's agent is the single most impressive ma- person at their job. You know, they whatever whatever fee they're getting for negotiating that deal, they deserve a pay rise because it is absolutely mind blowing that he is able to continue to get the amount of money that he's getting paid to be what the 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 backup tight end H back that sometimes can play special teams and quarterback. It's it's mind blowing, genuinely. Yeah, I, I honestly have no idea. It just almost, I, I said this in one of my leagues, it's almost like the Saints went into negotiations and said, you're not really a quarterback, you're basically our tight end, we want to pay you like that. And then the agent turned around and said, well, all of the fantasy football sites have me down as a quarterback now. So <laughs> you can't pay me like a tight end because I'm a quarterback. So it's it, just a weird one, but I don't think I've ever seen that deal and I don't think we'll see that deal for a very, very, very long time. Moving on, though, by weeks to round out the significant news, we've got Arizona Cardinals and Kansas City Chiefs. So a couple of big names from those teams that aren't going to be in your lineups this week. So just remember that. Rich, Dynasty stock market time. Do you want to take us away with our first riser? Yeah, so first riser is a guy we've discussed a fair few times this year. Darnell Mooney, his stat line from Sunday was absolutely bonkers. Okay, so let me run you through it. He had a target share of 48.5%. He saw 16 target shares, 16. However, he only caught five of them, but he had 121 yards and a touchdown. He finished as the wide receiver four on the week. 
He had 23.1 points. Look, I, I, I'm I'm not the biggest Darnell Mooney believer. You know my philosophy of day three picks don't matter. Um, I might I might be having to eat some crow on that when it comes to Darnell Mooney. He is he is absolutely balling. Uh, I'd like to point out he is still outside the top 24. You know, wide receiver uh, day three pick never finishes top 24 players. Um, he's currently the wide receiver 30. But if if Alan Robinson's going to be out for a while, if we're going to see Don Hermione force fed targets at this rate, do you think that this can continue, Liam? Do you think he's a you know high end wide receiver three, wide receiver four moving forward, or do you think he's just a boom bust deep threat that's going to have some of these weeks and then disappear others? I think he's more than a deep threat because of the amount of targets that he's getting or he has received. I think the biggest thing for me is we're seeing Justin Herbert now being not replaced, but um, Andy Dalton is now the starter this week. So this to me is kind of like a clean clean slate for Mooney. You don't really know what's going to happen this week with him. No, I could... I, I'm not a massive fan either of Darnell Mooney, like you said, um, but I do think he's the type of receiver that will be there one week and then won't be there the next. And I know that people aren't going to like me for this, but he reminds me very much of um, Terry McLaurin, but to a lesser extent, because if you've looked at his stats this year, Rich, I know you're laughing at me, but if you look, oh, at just, stats, you know that's that's lofty comparison. Terry McLaurin's like a you know top fifteen receiver in the NFL. I'm talking from fantasy production, I should, I should have clarified, but yeah, fantasy production wise, he's much like a Terry McLaurin in my eyes. Probably a lesser, uh, a cheaper version, because if you look at his fantasy production this year, Terry McLaurin is either a wide receiver one or he's outside of a wide receiver three, I think it is. He might be a wide receiver two in one or two weeks this season. But he's either a wide receiver one and helping you win weeks, or he's losing you a week. There's no real in-between, and I think that's what Darnell Mooney is, and probably to a lesser extent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think if look, if, if you can get probably what... I, if I reckon you might be able to get a late first for Darnell Mooney. I'd if you sell him to a guy that likes him, or an owner yeah. that likes him, yes. I think I'd, I'd, I'd probably accept a very early second. Um, if if I can get two mid-seconds, I'd do that. But I reckon you might be able to squeeze out a late first. And at that point, I'm definitely selling. Um, the other riser, I think maybe we need to re- rename this the Brand Naive podcast, because I think we've talked about him pretty much every week. Um, I'm, sh- I'm sure we've had him rich in every single one of these <laughs> Categories. We've had him in risers, fallers. I'm pretty sure one of us has had him in the player of a week at some point. Definitely had him in the deep dive and definitely had him in their spotlight. So I'm pretty sure we have had him in near enough every single one of these uh, segments. Podcast favourite, Brendan Ayuk. Uh, So he's back as the wide receiver one in San Francisco when, you know, if Debo Samuel is going to line up in the backfield and be used as a running back as much as as he was. It kind of creates the ability for for Ayuk to be used as that number one wide receiver. He had 35% target share. He caught all seven of his targets for 85 yards and a touchdown. He finishes the wide receiver eight on the week with 21 and a half points. Um, I think he's out of Cole Shanahan's doghouse. I really liked him at the beginning of the year. I, I, I tried, well, I did buy him in three or four spots 
once uh, once the, the, the world fell off him and you could get him for a second round pick. Um, I'm back in. I'm fully back in now. He's up to my wide receiver 23 in Dynasty. I think he's a solid wide receiver two for your Dynasty teams. Um, are you are you fully back in, Liam? Yeah, I was trying to buy him when he had that really down period. I tried sending Claypool um, for him and amongst other deals and just couldn't get it done. I think a lot of people, in at least in the leagues that I was in, um, kind of saw through what was happening with Ayuk at the start of the season. But yeah, I, I'm just not happy that I didn't get any um, shares of him from, from that down period. I think that he is back. The one thing I would consider is Debo maybe stops playing running back as much when they actually have running backs that are healthy. Um, so yeah, what does that do to the target share? But if that target share takes a 10% hit, that's still a 25% target share. And I'm more, I'm so happy with that. I so, think I think for me, look, the, the way this offense moves is that Ayuk and Kittle are the, you know, the two target leaders. I think they're going to run the ball. But to me, Debo Samuel is the movable piece that you know can get 10 targets a week, can line up in the backfield five times, 10 times or whatever. But I really believe that Brandon, of course, he's going to be boom bust. You know that anyone in that offense is going to be boom bust. But I do think that he's, for me, back to being a solid, you know, reliable wide receiver two three from a Dyson perspective. So moving on to the fallers. Um, so just just wanted to give a quick shout out to Carl Pitts. So he, despite seeing you know sixteen percent target share. Didn't get it done again. Um, right. He's now the tight end eight on the season. Um, look, I love Cole Pitts. I think he's incredible. I I really believe in the talent and think he's going to be a stud for a long time. But look, I said that he wasn't going to finish as a top five tight end this year, and here he is sat as the tight end on the season. It's hot, starting to see maybe a little bit of that sheen just wipe off slightly. I still think he's you know he's tight end two for me in dynasty, but I just think that. Look, he, he's not at the consistent, you know, week in, week out performance of a of a Kelsey and, and the other elite tight ends. Right, Rich, listeners, you need to make sure you're sitting down. If you're driving, pull over a little bit because I'm about to go and defend a tight end here. Rich, you need to stop the slander, mate. <laughs> Seriously. So, a couple of stats for you. First, Pitts hasn't scored a tight uh, a touchdown since the Jets game in London that we were both there for. And that is his only touchdown on the year. Yes, you could put that down to him. But at the same time, who else is in that offense? You've got Cordell Patterson, who up until this season wasn't really anything, and no one else. Calvin Ridley's not there anymore. He was there to start the year, but he wasn't really as uh, as effective as you would want. Um, yes, he had a 16% target share and only caught, caught three balls. But if a 16% target share is only fetching five targets, that's not a whole lot. They're not, they're not throwing the ball a lot. I think that whole offense is struggling in general, let alone, let alone Pitt. The other thing I want to say is they didn't have their best player on offense which is Cordell Patterson at the moment. Talented-wise, I'd say Pitts is more talented. 
I think everyone would. But at the moment, Patterson is the better player. And they didn't have him this week. They didn't have Calvin Ridley. They were reliant on Quadre Ollison. Um, Wayne Gorman scored minus fantasy points because I had him in one of my lineups because um, I had no better options, which says everything you need to know about that roster. Um, I think with Pitts, he just had a he had a really tough game because he would have been doubled on most of his routes because they really didn't need to double Russell Gage. Omelade Zacchaeus, I believe is the name. Uh, I set myself up for failure there, didn't I, trying to pronounce that? Um, And then really did they need to stack the box against Wayne Gorman and Quadray Allison? Look, I don't don't disagree. And as I said, I love... And I, uh, but it's two or three off games in a row. And I think that, look, this is what you expect from a rookie tight end. And this is where I'm cautious of the price. I think in two years' time, Cole Pitts is going to be a week-in, week-out fancy stud, no questions asked. But at the moment, I just think that from a redraft perspective, those people drafting him as a top-four tight end was ridiculous. And I think that people valuing him as the tight end one in dynasty before he'd even stepped on the field was ridiculous. No, I get that I you're saying agree with I get that you're saying I get that you're saying that Cole Pitts has only got one touchdown, okay? <clears throat> but to me, that's a lot of his fault, okay? Do you know how many red zone targets he's had this year? He's no, had 10, 10, 10 red zone targets, okay? Do you know what his stat line is on those targets? Go on, I feel like you're going to tell me anyway. So he has he has caught two passes for nine yards on one touchdown. Okay, that's not great. But I yeah. would want to go like, in. This is why I'm more of a tape guy than analytics because I would want to go and see those ten targets and see what happened on each that's, play. That's fine, but he's seen five targets inside the ten. He has caught two of those for nine yards and a touchdown. Like we can sit here and say. Yeah, you know, he's had a bad week. He'll be he'll bounce back. Fine. I still believe in talent. He's my tight end two in Dynasty. But I just think we do this every year. We get so excited about these rookies that we overhype them to the point that it is ridiculous. I don't and- disagree with you on the value and the hype. I really don't. That's my point is I really don't, but I think you're burying him way too much for being the tight end eight on the season with one touchdown. Yeah. Okay. With, with what, He's got one touchdown. If he had four touchdowns, I, I don't have the stats in front of me and it'll take me a while to get to them. But if he had four touchdowns, I bet he would be in the top five easily. Possibly. Especially possibly. With, with how the how the tight end rankings and the tight end points are, I'd easily put him in the top five in scoring. I'm not saying that, yes, he hasn't scored those three extra touchdowns, but I think that he's seeing the targets. The issue is, in the red zone, you have two targets on that offence that you need to cover with, essentially, six But the the covering players, Cordell Patterson and Pitts. And if you cover both of them, Matt Ryan's not going to t- run it in. Russell Gage going to be trusted to score the touchdown. Zacchaeus. So, so Cole Pitts. We've had we've I had think ten he's weeks. inherited a really bad offense, and that's the issue. Yeah. 
that's that's fine. But so far, we've had 10 weeks that he's played this season. Okay. He has finished as a top 12 tight end, the minimum for a guy that you're expecting to start every week four times. So you had six times where he has been a negative for your fantasy team. That's that's the issue with with overhyping these rookies. Okay. And let, just... let me correct you there. That's the issue with a tight end position in general. <laughs> you have well, no well, idea who is going to be a top twelve tight end <laughs> any week. And if we carry on with this, we're going to keep arguing. So let's move on, Rich. Right. So the last the last faller, um, and it hurts me to do this because I really love watching him. It's Russell Wilson. Um, he was the QB twenty five on the week. He scored eight and a half fantasy points. Look, it doesn't look right. I don't. I can't put my finger on it. If it's just this mallet finger, if he's getting old and he's less mobile, and and that's what he relies on. If it's the offense, but maybe he just maybe he's unhappy. And he just doesn't want to be in Seattle anymore. But it just does not look right. And that whole situation is just going south, isn't it? I think we can copy and paste a lot of what I said with the Falcons offense over to the Seattle offense in terms of the run game. Um, looking at the wide receivers, obviously you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, which is a massive upgrade on Russell Gage and Zacchaeus. Or um, Tajay Sharp is the other wide receiver I forgot in, in Atlanta. But Russell Wilson doesn't have a running game to help him. And we all know that it, or at least if you've been watching football for the past year or two, you will probably know by now that Pete Carroll loves to run the ball. And Rashad Penny hasn't done anything, which I kind of was hoping for this season. But Rashad Penny hasn't done anything. Alex Collins is their lead back, and he's not doing anything. Um, quite frankly, like basically copy and paste everything I said against for the Falcons about if you don't have a run game, what does it do to pass? Paste it for the for the Seahawks. They don't have a run game. So they can so any defense can just rush for, drop back. And if they do run the ball, yeah, they might get two yards, three yards if the D line is wary of it. If they're passing the ball, you've got what, seven players in defense in coverage? And you've only really got two targets. Maybe you've got Everett open on a play, but that's it. it. I don't think. I think he did rush himself back from injury, and that's probably playing into it right now because he did come back early. And there were a couple of people I've seen it seen online that have said it's the quickest they've seen. So I believe Edwin Pereira's that we had on the pod during the off season. Um, said that it's the quickest he's ever seen anyone from uh, come back from that injury. And sorry, Edwin, if that wasn't you and I'm mixing you up with someone else. But I think he is rushing himself back to try and get into the playoffs because that is such a hard division that he needed to be back week 10 really to make a push. With these two losses, I wouldn't be surprised if Russell Wilson either didn't play or got shut down closer to the end of the season if they if the Seattle Seahawks do come to some sort of agreement with him to keep him next year. So I don't know how you feel about that, Rich, but I think with, with them being, I believe it's three and seven, three and eight now, three and seven, three and eight. 
Oh, um, trust me, I'm keeping very good track. I'm very keeping very good track of the Seattle record because we've got the first round pick. <laughs> so it's currently, currently the number six overall pick, I believe. Well, there um, you go. Yeah, I, I think so, I, I really believe it's kind of entering a blow it all up situation in Seattle unless it gets turned around very quick. I think we could see Pete Carroll on the door. I think we could see Russell Wilson get traded and uh, and it all head south. And I'm really sorry for Jamal Adams because he was desperate to go to an elite team. Um, and has, has ended up not doing so. Um, so the players of the week. So my player of the week, I'm going to go first, Liam. We saw all the hype about Jonathan Taylor. We saw all the hype about Austin Eckler. I wanted to highlight another guy that he's, just keeps producing. He was the RB5 on the week, and that's DeAndre Swift. Um, the, the guy just, he's, he's a home run anytime he touches the ball. He's the one shining light in Detroit. Um, and I think that look, he, he's just a stud and I'm really excited about him. He's the RB5 on the season currently. Um, and I, I just think he's he's still undervalued. I think the price of Jonathan Taylor is just going sky high. For me, DeAndre Swift is is there or thereabouts. Yes, he'll, he'll he's a bit cheaper, but I think you can probably get him a lot, lot cheaper than you can Jonathan Taylor right now. Yeah, I agree. I think you can can get him a lot cheaper. And although I wouldn't have him probably in the same tier as Taylor right now, I think that he's the tier down and I wouldn't mind paying a lot less for the tier down from Jonathan Taylor. Um, I don't really have anything to say other than he has been really good this season. And if you can get him for that much cheaper price to Jonathan Taylor and still get the production, why not? I I mean, I've tried, and unfortunately, the owners that I've talked to are a little bit smarter than uh, what we probably perceive as consensus. But, yeah, I think Swift is carving out the Dynasty RB2 wrong. So, moving on to my player of the week, Rich. We've spoken about him a little bit before, so we won't take too long on him. But Austin Eckler, I believe both of us were pretty high on him in the off-season. Um, I had him in a lot of leagues where I thought taking him as a back-end RB1 was criminal, and he's proving me correct. Uh, he has been absolutely insane for the Chargers. He went for 50 yards on the ground and two touchdowns, and then had 65 yards in the air with two touchdowns on six receptions. Richard, what do you think about Austin Eckler? Because he has been immense but I am wary of his age currently. Um, yes, he's on a, I believe he's still got three years left on his deal. Um, but I am wary of his age right now because he's 26 turning 27 soon. Yeah, I think, look, I, it's difficult for me to sit here and talk about ages when it comes to running back because I know there's a lot of studies around this is, you know, the, the, the cliff for running backs. And I am team always be selling running backs, but sounds slightly ridiculous, but Austin Eckler is a, is a young 26 in that he was obviously, you know, eased into the NFL as an undrafted free agent. He didn't get used that sort of bell cow usage that we're seeing like a Najee Harris in the rookie season. Um, yes, he still does have two years left on his contract after this year, but they're, they're basically dirt cheap. So it's six and a half million next year and 7.2 million in 2023. And, the Chargers can get out of that contract basically at any point they want and, and save money. 
But I think when a guy's producing like this, I don't see the Chargers getting rid of him. I think he's RB2 on the season at the moment, I believe. I think um, it might be RB3 because Derrick Henry is still somehow well, RB2 or something. I think he might have just overtaken him this week. But I I think, look, I've got a Snickley. He's my RB8 in Dynasty. I think he's a great win now at buy that's not such an obvious win now by if you think because i think he can probably still help you next year um if you're looking beyond that then yes i'm probably starting to get a bit nervous but i do think that he's the type of back that will age reasonably well in that obviously the the vast majority of his production comes in that receiving game um which does kind of insulate his value slightly yeah so you were correct he did hop above Najee, uh, Derrick Henry this week, and Najee Harris just jumped above Derrick Henry to be the RB3 of the year. I'm just going to clip that, Liam, and save it just as a little, you know, I can I can play it on the sound. A little board. sound bit, yeah. Yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Oh, here we go. Um, just wait until I clip everything that you say. <laughs> so he's also the RB3, Austin Eckler is, in points per game. Uh, right. behind Derrick Henry, who is the RB1, and Jonathan Taylor, who is the RB2. So but you basically copy and paste the top three across both. It, it's pretty insane how well he's done this year. And yeah, I'm just true. glad that I was right on him. But as you said, in Dynasty, if I'm looking two years on, um, I'm probably selling him now to try and get probably, I think, a great deal for any rebuilding team would be Eckler for Javante Plus, Javante Williams. Shocking. You had to get your Javante mention into the podcast. Of course. I think, look, if, if I'm not a contender, of course I'm selling because I'm, if I'm not a contender, I'm selling all my running backs. If I'm a contender, I'm keeping him. And I think he's, he's the problem is, is that it's not one of these guys that I can sit here and say he's a must sell, you know, because he's at the peak of his value. Because I don't think Austin Eckler is, is valued as that top 10 back that we're both discussing. I think you can probably get him cheaper. In let's have Unfortunately, a look. there's not a, a, a sound bite I can take from that because there wasn't enough for me to take from you saying <laughs> you can't sell him at peak value right now. Well, there that, you go. that would have been a rare occurrence. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave that. The deep dive player of the week. Um, perhaps not as not as deep as uh, as I'd like, but... Um, as usual, then, Rich. <laughs> well, you know, you led the way with shallow players in the deep dive. So it's going to be Michael Gallup. Um, and the reason I wanted to highlight Michael Gallup is that Michael Gallup is a free agent in the off-season. Um, I think a lot of people are penciling in to leave. I don't know if Dallas are going to be, want to be paying. You know, obviously, they're paying Amari Cooper big money. They've got C.D. Lamb due in a couple of years. They've got money, you know, allocated to Dak and Zeke and that offensive line, and they've still got issues in the defence that need addressing. So I don't know if they've got the luxury of paying a third wide receiver. So are we going to see Michael Gallup go for big money in free agency? Well, I think what happens this week could go a long way to determine how much he gets in the offseason. Two years ago, before the Dallas Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup was kind of a Twitter darling and one of those young breakout receivers who was going to go and be a stud. And the drafting of CeeDee Lamb kind of put that on the back burner. He's now getting an opportunity with Amari Cooper out with COVID and CeeDee Lamb out with concussion to be the wide receiver one on a pass-fast offence, you know, that, he, that should hopefully produce. 
and it'll be really interesting to see what he can do in the matchup in this week. And if he does ball out, I do think we could see him, you know, in a good landing spot, hopefully getting paid big wide receiver one money in that, you know, 16 to 18 million dollar range at the end of the season. I said this at the start of the season, I said it when he got injured. I think Michael Gallup is a great buy. Um and he will go somewhere. I don't think he will be a wide receiver one on any team, but I think getting to be a wide receiver two on any team will be great for him. I think we've seen enough from Gallup to sit to to show that he has the talent there. And I don't think anyone's denying the talent. But I think a lot of people kind of forget because he's such a boom-bust player in that offence because C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper come first. Um, yes, there is no Cooper this week. There's not going to be any Cooper for uh, Thanksgiving. But I think Michael Gallup is about to go up in price. And if you can get him right now, you're probably getting a discount on where he'll be after Thanksgiving because he will be the wide receiver one there. Yeah, I think it's it's a, it's a good sneaky, you know, I've, I've been talking about him as a buy for like three or four weeks because of the fact he's a free agent at the end of the offseason. But I do think that you can probably buy now and the person selling probably thinks you're just after him for this one week because it could be a boom week this week. But actually, I think he's going to, you know, go up in value when he does hit free agency. I, I do think he's going to be a priority free agent for some team in the offseason. And I'm really excited about him moving forward next year. So I'm, I do think it's, it's a good opportunity to go and have a look and, and see if you can steal him away before that big, uh, that big blow up. Definitely. So the spotlight player of the week, Liam. Uh, this is a player we want to dive a little bit deeper into. Um, so I'm going to go completely. Normally we go someone a little bit under the radar. I'm going to go big name. I'm going Christian McCaffrey. Okay. So as we said, he 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 had another you know fantastic week. He is currently the RB4 in points per game. I think that the sheen has come off him a little bit. I think that he was held up as that dynasty RB1. People like me saying, you've got to sell Christian McCaffrey, must sell, must sell, must sell, must sell. And I think that now with Jonathan Taylor blowing up and DeAndre Swift looking good, and I think his price has plummeted. And I do think that it might be, dare I say it, a little bit of a sneaky buy window for Christian McCaffrey. If you're a contender, I reckon you might be able to steal him away for maybe two firsts plus in a Superflex league, which, you know, we were talking at the beginning of the season, he was in that three firsts, maybe even four firsts range. And I think that people are valuing him in that RB4, RB5 dynasty range. And, and I, I I just think it, it might be worth going and asking the question about Christian McCaffrey because I still believe he is a stud this year and next. I, I, don't think, I don't think he is a buy right now. I've tried... This is just personal experience, but I've tried to buy him in the league, in the main league that I'm contending in this year. I'm making a full push. Um, I've sold like a first and a bunch of seconds um, and turned guys like Joe Burrow into Tom Brady plus to make a proper push into going for the playoffs. I inquired about McCaffrey. Um, it's actually a three-copy league, so I had three different uh, owners to go to, and every single one of them turned down Gibson plus a first, and it looks to be a mid-first. Um, 
it it it's, it's crazy. I don't think that he's a buy right now. What I will say is I do think he is a good sell, but I also think he's a good sell just before free agency. Um, I think that's your window is anywhere between now and free agency, potentially after this week when he has another monster week and people think he's back, is anywhere after that point up until free agency because you have no idea what's happening in free agency, what they're going to do with Sam Darnold. If Sam Darnold is the starter, people are going to see that as a, a blemish on his record, essentially on Christian McCaffrey's record, because no one's going to know whether... Donald actually helped Christian McCaffrey in his production or not, because we haven't really seen him with Christian McCaffrey. And if they bring in Cam Newton, that is going to be a plus. If they bring in Aaron Rodgers, Russ Wilson, uh, if for whatever reason they trade for Jalen Hurts, I think that would still be a plus. I think the only way that they could ever like the Panthers could ever screw up fantasy value for Christian McCaffrey is bringing in a can uh, uh, Andy Dalton or someone along those lines and they, 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 they are paying, going to do that so they're paying Sam Donald 18 million next year exactly. not I, from Sam Donald to Andy Dalton they're 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 the only way they're going somewhere else is if it's a big upgrade I think look I I love Christian McCaffrey I've, but I've been banging on the drum saying that he's a sell for the last two years and I think that you know, hope, hopefully you did sell at peak value. Um, but I just think I, I sold a share. I was holding on to him because I was trying to scrape into the playoffs in a Devi league I'm in. Um, and I've just sold him straight up for CD Lamb. Um, and of I course think, you did. Of course you well, did. It, it made sense. Um, but I just think that, to me, his value has taken a hit this week, despite the fact that he's the RB4 in price. because. We'll, I, I we'll, we'll 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 uh, we'll have a maybe a study or something on Twitter. Maybe we'll, have, we'll ask the people to, to join. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to put that out to the people. Absolutely. So, have you got a mailbag question this week, Lim? We do. So, this is from Andy or at FPL Mode on Twitter. Rich, this one is going to be a quick fire round for you. Um, so trade or keep? I just want one answer. Um, I don't care I which one I'm it is. Rubbish at lightning rounds. This well, does. This is not. This is not a good setup. This is the setup because I want to see how you do with it. So, Amari Cooper, trade or sell, or trade or keep. But it depends on the cost. But I think you've got to keep him <laughs> because I think the fact he's not playing this week means his price is reduced. But I, I value Cooper as a early first in Superflex leagues. So I'd sell for less. I'd buy. For, I'd Buy for less, I'd sell for more. You're awful at lightning rounds. Yes. Let's, let's try again. T. Higgins. Uh, I think he's potentially <laughs> a sell. Um, like I, the whole, my whole thing is that I can't do buys by yourselves without context. I rant at people on Twitter for saying buy this player, sell this player. I can't now do it on a podcast. Um, right. I, I get the context thing. I really do. <laughs> this was meant to be a quick round because we've gone over the hour mark. Okay, right. Um, I think T Higgins is interesting because I think that at the moment his his hype and potential is outshadowing his production, which to me means he's potentially a sell. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm just looking at the Tyler Boyd contract. I believe he has an extra couple of years, so... Um, it's just loaded now. So yeah, he has an extra two years after this year. Um, 
where he's got about a two mil and a one mil dead cap. So he could be gone, but I very much doubt that they've cut him there in, in Cincinnati. Last name for you, Aaron Jones. I think you've got to hold him right now because he's injured. So you're not getting fair value. I think he's still a top 10 um, dynasty running back. I still think after the buy. Potentially, when when he's back, maybe you look at selling him because I do think next year is going to be his last year of elite production in Green Bay, and that could be you know up in the air what the Green Bay look like if Aaron Rodgers. Um, so yeah, maybe he's he's a sell as soon as he's back producing, um, but you can't sell now because he's sat on buy and nobody's paying top dollar for someone that's not going to help him this week. Yeah, I think Aaron Jones is a sell either when he gets back from a buy and produces or at the start of next season, because I think people will see a couple of years left on his contract or three years left on his contract and won't really bat an eyelid. But when they realised that those last two years of the the three remaining isn't very uh, costly to cut, I think they'll they'll start to change the tune, but that won't happen until mid to late of the season. So if you can sell him start of next year when the hype's high, go for it. Go. See, so you you hijacked my lightning rounds to make it slower, there, Liam. Oh, there you, go. <laughs> you made that slow yourself. That could be the that could be the twenty second round, but no, you just had to make it five minutes. I can't <laughs> criticize people for doing buy this player, sell that player without context, and then, but you know, yeah, do it myself. I, I get so. that. Um, I, I do get that. But thank you very much for listening this week, guys. Don't forget the Five Yard Dynasty podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping using the code Five Yard. It is Christmas time. Make sure you're adding it on your Christmas list. Santa might bring it in a sack for you. Who knows? Um, also, you know, continue to check out the great work over at Five Yard. Um, there's some exciting stuff. The the episode 500 dropped earlier in the week with. Stocks Murph and Lee, obviously an incredible, um, you know, accomplishment. Hats off to the guys. They've created a, a fantastic platform that, you know, we we all enjoy, listen to and, and reap the rewards of, uh, of getting to talk to you guys because of the work that they've put in. So please go and listen. Um, it's It's been fantastic, you know, talking to you and, and hopefully the next 500 is, uh, is just around the corner. But best of luck this week enjoy your thanksgiving um i hope you're all you know hopefully got thursday or, or friday off so you can watch uh, an entire evening of football but uh, but we will see you again next week HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.